This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. NVIDIA accelerates autonomous driving. And HPC looks at Brexit. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, and this week I'm joined with by Doug Black, who's the editor at Enterprise AI. Doug, this is your first time on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Addison. And uh, our clever listeners would have heard me just say Enterprise AI. That's a rebranding for our friends at Tabor Publications. But our readers of Enterprise Tech might notice that there's been a shift in the branding of that publication. Right, Doug? Yeah, that's right. We did this two weeks ago. It's been coming on for quite a while. But we really found that uh, AI, and we define AI quite broadly, is becoming such an imperative in uh in the HPC world and the high-performance uh, enterprise computing world, it's kind of a, mel- you know, a melding of HPC and HPDA that uh, we really decided uh, to uh, take the leap based on the fact that we were covering AI more and more extensively, and um, we decided to 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 rebrand rebrand the publication with that in mind. Well, since it was founded, Enterprise Tech as a sister publication, HPC Wire, has really been focusing on the ins and outs of high-performance enterprise computing, whether you're looking at uh, big data or cloud, now AI. Of course, HPC bleeds into that. There's a lot of crossover there, but certainly AI is the big topic du jour, and we look forward to reading more of your coverage in Enterprise AI. Now, the old the old URL still works. I can go to Enterprise Tech and uh, get the redirect, but it is also under Enterprise AI. What's the new official URL now? Uh, news. All right. So you can go find some of the coverage there. Now, including a big thing that you wrote up, Doug, Tiffany and I on a previous episode of This Week in HPC broke down a lot of the content from NVIDIA's GPU Technology Conference, or GTC. One that we didn't really get into is one that you've covered now in more depth on Enterprise AI, and that's the look at autonomous driving and some of the things that NVIDIA is doing to advance the ecosystem there. Yeah, we we kind of kicked off the piece by looking at uh, what's often called the trolley question. This is one of the, a question of ethics. Uh, do you program a, a, a morally ethical quandary into a, into an autonomous vehicle? Yeah, so the, a, a trolley question in general refers to a category of problem where the, the classic philosophical question is a trolley is barreling down the tracks at a person who it's going to run over and kill. You can't warrant, or at two people rather, that it's going to run over and kill. You have the opportunity to pull a switch and redirect it onto a different track that will kill only one person. And are you better off pulling the switch and actively killing one person or not pulling the switch and passively killing two? And, you know, go ahead and discuss. And college students everywhere have a field day with this question and all of its many variants. So we're talking about that category of problem now with AI driving and and how to program rules into uh, how to how to potentially handle difficult situations in the event of an accident, right? Yeah, in a specific case, the, the question that's come up with autonomous vehicles, with AVs, is 
the AV comes around a, a blind corner in the road and there's a child in the middle of the road. The car could go to the left and go over a cliff, let's say. Killing the, the driver and passengers, right? Uh, well, there's no driver, but the passengers, yes. Or it could turn to the left and there are pedestrians on, on the sidewalk. So what should it do? I And it was it was interesting. I presented this question to Danny Shapiro of NVIDIA. He's the senior director of automotive. And he was really refreshingly candid in his response, um, which consisted of, for the short term, he said, I really don't have a good answer for that. What I often hear is uh, that that would never happen. It's really not worth discussing. But my sense, Addison, is that if the industry uh, dismisses questions like this, ethical questions related to AI, whether it's data privacy or the trolley, quest, trolley questions, uh, these are issues the public picks up on quite a bit. So as the industry is moving the public toward acceptance of AI, moving it toward acceptance of AVs, uh, I think it's quite important that the industry and, 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 and technology vendors handle these questions in public effectively to uh, uh, allay public concerns about AI. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And I, I think at the intellectual level, I agree with NVIDIA's response there that, um, first of all, you could ask a, a panel of human drivers, what would you do in that scenario? And the point is that the the philosophy 101 class of your favorite university would have a field day discussing what the right thing to do is. And you'd have ethics questions or things that don't have definitive right answers. I can, I can espouse my point of view and you can espouse your point of view. We'll argue about it. And then someone will say, well, wait, what if the pedestrians have cancer? And then we'll re-debate it all over again, right? And there's not a, a definitive right answer. But more to the point, machine learning and, and AI isn't deterministic. It's experiential. And we don't program an AI directly to handle every specific opportunity. It, it, it takes experiences and then makes the next best choice it can based on the history of training that it has, just like a human brain does. But you make an interesting point that all of those reasons are not good enough an excuse for us to just wave our hands at it and say, well, we can't really talk about that. We'll dismiss it because ultimately something will come up. There will be an ethical question and how the AI or autonomous vehicle, AV, as you put it, was programmed will, will suddenly be a topic of intense conversation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, some time ago, a year or two ago, there, uh, an AV hit and killed a pedestrian in Arizona. And this got outsized media attention. Uh, and it turned out to be the pedestrian's fault. It's also true that um, 30,000 people in this country alone are killed on the roads driving and that autonomous vehicles would be much safer. But uh, having said that, um, it, it, it's, I think it's, it's imperative for vendors to to take on these questions uh, in an effective way. Now, in the case of Shapiro, he did say, I don't have a good answer for that. And part of the reason is that he said it will be up to the car maker. I thought this was quite interesting. It will be up to the car maker, say, uh, such as Toyota, which is in partnership with NVIDIA, to make that final call on how to handle that scenario. 
And what these, what's going on in, in, in with NVIDIA is they're building out this ecosystem, AV ecosystem, in which uh, farm data will be collected much more from simulated driving than from real-world driving. They've said, um, I believe they said it last year's GTC, just, there isn't enough driving that can be done in the real world to provide enough data to train uh, uh, to train AVs um, to handle as many situations that they need to learn how to handle. So, uh, so part of his answer too is that over the longer term, autonomous vehicles will become smarter. The whole ecosystem will be built out. There will be capabilities such as car-to-car communications or car-to-infrastructure communications. If there are upcoming hazards in the road, a car in the in the lead will communicate with another car behind it to warn it or if around blind turns there might be for example a camera on a telephone pole that picks up problems uh, pedestrians on the road or whatever it might be and communicate that to the car so um it's it's sort of like uh well the analogy that shapiro drew was with air travel despite the recent tragedies and the re- most recent in ethiopia you know, air travel is becoming increasingly safe with each year, with each decade. And he believes the same kind of evolution uh, will happen with autonomous vehicles. Yeah, those are excellent points. And your article on uh, Enterprise AI does go on to some of the, the more direct uh, techn- t- technology developments with regard to uh, autonomous vehicles, including Shapiro pointing to all of the extensive simulation that has to go on for the development of autonomous driving and the uh, Drive Constellation simulator server that's behind that. You already mentioned some of the uh, car-to-car or car-to-infrastructure communications. They were working toward autonomous summoning of vehicles and also uh, something from GTC they launched called a safety force field or SFF uh, as a planning and control layer for uh, driving policy, all of which is extremely germane to the ongoing development in this space. Yeah, another interesting point that that came up last, last month I was at IBM Think their their conference and and of course last week Nvidia GTC both of these companies are trying to build out a, really an entire AI lifecycle training all of the the whole ecosystem by which partners and data can be uh, the the data from other companies can be included um, and an interesting distinction though between the two companies is that IBM has very clearly said they are in, interested in AI in which AI fills the role of a decision support, human augmentation kind of uh, role, or to just simply, uh, and or to uh, eliminate repetitive, uh, tedious work that just uh, is a time suck on human beings. But NVIDIA clearly is, at least in the case of AVs, is is building out an uh, an, an ecosystem in which uh, the human will will be taking out, be, be taken out of a decision making role completely. 
Yeah, and you make the interesting point that a lot of lives are are saved and potentially saved because of human error, and we replace that with this artificial intelligence that overall performs better. But then we have a tendency to anthropomorphize computers. Oh, the computer did this. And then when we find a situation where a computer is at fault, whether it's a car or an airplane, then you know you get uh, you get one incident and and the public is calling for people's heads because the computer made a mistake. So it, it almost feels in many cases like we have to drive toward hundred percent absolute perfection. Any mistake is uh, is not acceptable, and and that's scary because in my experience in this industry, software of any stripe has bugs, and, and here now the software is in charge. And, uh, you know, there is the potential to have a technological error. But nevertheless, the uh, the future of autonomous driving does seem to be pushing toward a world where uh, taking humans out of the loop in the driving ultimately makes us all uh, measurably safer. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I think these public policy issues uh, will have to be handled with a lot of a lot of skill and a lot of care. Well, speaking of public policy issues that have to be handled with care, also this week in HPC, we're going to take a look at something that's a story that transcends far beyond HPC, and that's the ongoing ordeal with Brexit. Now, we're recording this podcast, Doug, you and I, on Friday, March 29th, which is the original deadline for Brexit and the day that the UK had to uh, have its 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 deal worked out with the EU in terms of negotiating how Brexit will work. Those uh, most recent uh, votes have failed in Parliament. And now, although there will be other emergency referendums going into next week, the UK is nevertheless stumbling toward the very real possibility of a no-deal Brexit sometime next month. Uh, we can look for more extensions, but the last I read, the European Union gave the UK an extension only if it was accepting the deals that were already put before Parliament. This is a scary proposition for people in the UK, and it does have some effect on uh, on HPC, its procurement, and the users thereof. Well, it's, it's, it's so complicated. I admit, I I get lost in the weeds very quickly when it comes to Brexit. I'm sure most of the British people do as well. In fact, there was a, a really a hilarious commentary on YouTube by HBO's John Oliver that I recommend to everyone. Uh, and a big point that he made is that uh, it was really an abdication of responsibility by the um, by the British government, by the political class, if you will, to turn over this decision to the public. It's, uh, I think you were, you were making comments, we were speaking offline, uh, that in a republic, that's the kind of decision that you ask your political leaders and representatives to make. That's right. And a direct democracy uh, doesn't always result in, in something that's very easy to implement. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Brexit. But with regard to HPC and, uh, and, and what are the effects on it? This is something that we actually looked at in a previous episode of This Week in HPC in July 2016, back when Brexit was new. Theresa May was the newly elected prime minister. And we looked at some of the impact then. And I even went back and listened to that podcast again. And it's amazing how little has resolved in the nearly three years since then. Um, Prace is, of course, one of the largest cross-EU um, consortiums with to do with HPC and the UK is a member of Prace. However, 
The funding for PRACE comes from the individual member states, and there's nothing that would prevent the UK from continuing to fund its PRACE membership even after exiting from the EU. In fact, other countries like Norway, which is outside the EU, Turkey, which is partly outside Europe, Israel, which is entirely outside of Europe, uh, are all still part of PRACE, and, and, uh, and that doesn't seem to get in their way. So that doesn't concern me. And other newer initiatives like uh, Euro HPC, ETP for HPC, the European Processor Initiative, all seem to be uh, European Commission-based and therefore already uh, don't have the UK right in the middle of them. I think where we get into tweeners is with things like potentially Horizon 2020 or certainly uh, things like the European Research Council, which can fund individual researchers uh, whether they're individual people in academia or companies who uh, get research grants from these organizations uh, with a no deal Brexit as a as a potential eventuality here, I, it could certainly become a lot harder for the individual HPC researcher to get access to those resources. Well, it certainly is. Um, you know, at least in the short term in particular, roiling uh the, the UK technology industry. There was a there was a story I, I read today that four out of based on a survey that four out of ten technology companies say they they're at least considering moving or setting up operations outside of the UK as a result of of Brexit. But uh, you know I think we were saying that short term serious disruption until this thing is settled out. Longer term. Uh, Possibly the UK and the, the technology community will become a more global, uh, looking aggressively outside of uh, the European community for partnerships and alliances. That's exactly right. As an analyst, I look at the short-term effects as, as being a lot more of concern than the long-term effects. Long-term, the UK is a stable economy and it's quite capable of funding its own endeavors. In the short-term, there are a lot of very scary implications as to what the the trading and collaboration relationship is between the UK and the rest of the EU. And, and that, I think, does have a significant short-term effect. The article you cited about four in 10 companies, I don't know how much of that saber-rattling versus how much is real, but companies like Crave, for, exist, for example, have substantial presence in the UK where Cray has a lot of major customers. Would that impede Cray's international UK office's ability from selling supercomputers to the rest of Europe? I don't know. I think it depends on what the Brexit or deal or no deal looks like. I feel like we have to get Howie Mandel in here to MC the rest of this or with a big episode of deal or no deal. I, you know, and I think it also speaks to the global nature of technology writ large as well as the industry's reliance on free and open trade that uh, before the Brexit vote in 2016, 70% of UK executives came out opposed to Brexit. That, that's that's right. And I think there's been a big scare in terms of what it means for trade and free trade across the EU. So that's certainly something that we're going to have to keep our eyes on going forward uh, in uh, April and May as this continues to play out. As we look at deadlines, the end of May starts taking on an interesting potential double meaning as the prime minister looks to step down amidst the whole fiasco. So uh, it could be the end of May in uh, in more than one sense. But, but that'll be something for a future 
feature episode of This Week in HPC. Doug, thank you for joining me uh, on the podcast this week, and congratulations on the rebranding. Thank you, Addison. Great being with you. And thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.